0: you may be over budget and you may not be able to pull it back. What I would say in that situation is make sure that you don't compromise the outcome as a result. You're listening to the She Renovates podcast. You're listening to She Renovates, the podcast for women who want to renovate to create an income and a life they love. Hello, hello, renovators. This episode is sponsored by a brand new training entitled How to Replace Your Income with Renovating. So it's for you if you're on a mission to go from a hobby renovator to professional renovator to either replace a dull day job, to retire or downsize profitably, to pay off your mortgage to help the people you love and to have more money and more fun in your life. So it's a while since I've done one of these and I'm pretty excited about it. What I'm gonna cover in this training is the process you go through. It's really three core steps to going from pretty much where you are now to a point where you have the capacity to generate income at will and you have replaced your income with renovating. Like lots of people have this as a dream, but actually haven't figured out how to get there. So that's what I'm gonna be walking through in this training. I'm also going to be sharing with you my top tip for getting fast results. I have really nailed this and what I'm seeing now is students coming out of, straight out of the boot camp, going into a project and absolutely killing it. Because the alternative is going into analysis paralysis and doing nothing, which doesn't get you what you want. So I'll be talking about that. And I'm going to also be talking about my proven fix for the biggest challenge that newbie renovators have. We all know what that is. It's a missing ingredient. So I'm going to be talking about how we approach the joint venture process. So I've been working on this for probably almost 10 years. I've done a lot of joint ventures, can't remember really how many. They've gone from being sometimes a bit painful to having a beautifully elegant process. So I'll share that with you and also the part that we play in that. This is our entry-level training to our boot camp. Of course, there's no obligation to join the boot camp, but in order for you to really understand what's involved, if this is something that's on your agenda, this is a really good way for you to get those distinctions. The other thing I should let you know is it is a meeting and not a webinar. And the difference is that with a meeting, you can actually see the people that you are communicating with. You can talk and be heard. I cannot stand the facelessness of webinars. We've outlawed them in the School of Renovating and because I really love to get up close and personal, so that's the way we roll. So if you would like to join, you can come over to www.theschoolofrenovating.com forward slash the leap. And if you can't remember that, you'll find it in the show notes. So let's get into the episode. Today, my topic is what to do when your project doesn't go to plan and your budget blows out. Now, it should really say when your budget blows out, not if your budget blows out, because pretty much every renovation project, there are some cost blowouts that you have to deal with. I actually posted in the She Renovates Facebook group and asked for some ideas on things that you would like to hear about, and this is one of them. I got a list as long as my arm, which I am thrilled about because it means I do not have to think about what I am going to podcast about in my solo episodes, so thank you for being so generous with your feedback. Now, this is a topic that is very close to my heart, mainly because it's important to get some strategies around managing cost overruns because they are part of renovating. And so in this episode, I want to give you some really practical ways of dealing with things not going quite to plan in your project. I've got a few different scenarios to talk about, and then we'll talk about the project as a whole blowing out, but just a few things that I think will make a difference to your experience of renovating. So firstly, the scenario is you've called someone in to do a piece of work, and you haven't got them to quote, they seem like a pretty honest sort of tradesman, and it ends up being more work than you thought. You underestimated how much work there was in it. Then you get the bill and it just about takes your head off. So you get an unexpected high trade invoice. I'm not going to say I told you so, but I sort of am. If you hand over a piece of work to a tradesman, and you do not get that person to quote, you allow them to do the work without quoting, even when they tell you that they'll look after you, which is usually the story, then you're as good as giving them a checkbook with some signed checks to pay themselves. Once you've got that bill in, you've got nowhere to go, okay? By handing the tradesman a job, without any parameters, without a quote and without a contract is a recipe for disaster. But we all do it at some point in time. So what to do about it? So the main thing you can try and negotiate that trade down. However, you don't really have a leg to stand on. So what I would say is as soon as you get an invoice, that had a negative impact on your budget, then stop working with that trade and don't do any more until you have got fixed quotes. Now, I have talked in other episodes what to do about what to do if you do need to work with someone without a quote, and sometimes there is a need to do that. I'll include the link to that episode in the show notes. So, the second scenario is that External forces are pushing prices up. You've done your feasibility and your budget based on what you usually pay, and all of a sudden, there's a pandemic, okay? So, we all know what that's about, and how that's played out is it's really increased building activity, making trades incredibly expensive. Not all trades, but most, So I have certainly experienced this. I've just found particularly tilers have been really charging excessive prices. There's not a lot you can do about that, but the main thing I would say is don't give up the fight. And that's a metaphorical phrase. When you are renovating for profit, you feel like you are always wrestling with the budget because that's your job, okay? So just because it's COVID or, you know, for whatever reason the trade prices are excessively high, don't give up. Go through the normal process, get as many quotes as you can in order to get something that is going to work with your budget, as I mentioned, I found it particularly on Charmer Street, all the trades were a lot more expensive, but in particular the Tyler and the Plumber was pretty hot too. But even so, I still was able to manage the budget sufficiently that I brought it in I think my budget amount was fifty seven thousand and I brought the budget in on sixty-two. So I was actually pretty happy with that. So don't lose faith. The other thing that I find is if you're using the same trades and suppliers all the time, as they become more popular and more successful, their prices often go up exponentially in comparison to CPI. If that happens, then you can often find that you've blown your budget where normally you would not. Once again, even when I'm using the same trades all the time, I would still get check quotes to make sure that I am getting a fair price and letting your trades know that you're keeping your costing lean. Like You have to be reasonable about it because they need to live as well, but you also do need to be able to manage your costs. A really good example of managing this situation was I was doing a project a few years ago in an apartment using a cabinet maker that I'd been using for a while. This is really common with cabinet makers actually. When they're getting started in their businesses, they're really cost effective and accommodating. But as they become more popular, which they usually do if they're good, then they become less accommodating and more expensive. So, I had about 10,000 budgeted for my joinery. I was working with the cabinet maker on the pricing and the plan, and it was getting up around 20,000, so it was about double what I had budgeted for. And I'd already paid a deposit in order to get him to do some shop drawing so I knew what I was getting. So I'd paid $1,000, but when I got to $20,000, I thought, I've really got to do something about this because I'm not blowing my budget out $10,000. I have to go and find an alternative. And it's hard to leave money on the table because I've spent $1,000 and now I'm going to have to write that off and go and find someone else. But I did. I went and found someone else. I found a really good flat pack supplier who did like custom flat packs. They were quick they were efficient, and they did my project for about $8,000 installed. So even though I'd wasted $1,000, I was really happy with the outcome, and I was able to keep my project on budget. The next thing that can blow your project out is something unexpected. So you might have Thought the floor was a bit wobbly, but when your builder came in to have a look at it, he said, no, it's too far out of level. Something's got to happen. Pull up the boards and underneath the subfloor is really dodgy and something's got to happen with that. What I would do, first thing, is stop at that point and get several opinions on it, okay? So I've told you in other episodes that builders do often feel the need to gut, even when it's not necessary. So, I would definitely get two or three opinions before I start taking any radical action. Along with those opinions, I would get quotes, okay? So, if you've worked out that you absolutely need to do the work and you've got the quotes to do it, then you can go ahead and get the work done and you have contained the cost of the piece of work. Presumably, you'll have some you'll have a contingency in your budget to cover unforeseen circumstances, but sometimes that's not enough. So just really managing it the best way you can. The next thing that can blow your budget is that something goes horribly wrong. Now the best example I can give you of that is when we had a demolition labourer jackhammer through the main hot water supply to 48 apartments in the building that we were renovating in that was pretty bad. I guess the way I look at that is firstly, don't panic. Whatever you do in life, if you can manage to keep a level head, you will keep a, have a much better outcome than if you lose it. So firstly, don't panic. Take stock of the situation and think it through logically. Obviously, the problem needs to be fixed. That's one thing. But then you've got to look at your project and think, how can I recover from this? The first thing I did is looked at it and thought, how can I turn it into lemonade? I've got a lemon, how can I turn it into a lemonade? I wasn't planning to pull the bath out of the bathroom, but of course that required that I did. So I thought, first thing is, we're going to get a better bathroom design as a result of it. So instead of going for a shower over the bath, which I was doing because I didn't want to take the bath out, Then I went for a walk-in shower and a double shower which had a lot more appeal. Then I looked at it and thought, okay, so what can I do to increase the appeal of the project as a whole? It was a tiny apartment. If I furnish it, it's not going to cost me a hell of a lot to furnish it. Then it may attract an investor who's looking for an easy way and so if it's furnished and you sell it with the furniture because the furniture really cost me next to nothing because all you have in a, a studio is a bed and a tally and a few bits and pieces. So saying it's fully furnished, it really ups the ante on the sale. But then I realised... Airbnb hadn't been going very long. I thought, okay, so now I might put it on Airbnb in the settlement period and just see how that works out. So that added another $4,000 to the income of the project just in that four weeks. So look at how you can turn lemon into lemonade. The other thing that can happen is that the accumulation of several cost overruns eventually turn into a problem. The other thing I want to say to you before I get into this is just about every project has, actually not just about, every single project has cost overruns, okay? So I'm pretty sure that every renovation that was ever done had a blowout of its budget at some stage, Don't feel like you're the only person in the world and it's something about you. It's not about you. It's the nature of the beast. What is about you is how that pans out. If you have a lot of, you know, bits and pieces that are all going over budget, then once again, don't panic, take stock. You may be over budget and you may not be able to pull it back. What I would say in that situation is make sure that you don't compromise the outcome as a result. Okay, so of course, I'm talking about renovating to sell. If you're renovating to rent, then you've got a lot more leeway because if the bathroom's not perfectly renovated, it's not going to be a deal breaker. But if you are renovating to sell, and you end up not having the money to renovate the bathroom, that can seriously compromise your outcome. Then you have two problems. You have a blown-out budget, and then you have a lowered sale price. So try and make sure you just stick to the one problem. Know what the deal breakers. so know the key areas in the project that must be done to a standard. There are other areas that you can get away with not doing to a standard, But things like kitchens and bathrooms sell houses. So you want to make sure that you've got them under control so that you're not creating a second problem as a result of the budget blowout. And the next thing I want to say is not all budget blowouts are bad. As you're progressing through the project, often you will come across ideas that you hadn't thought of before. I do this all the time, so I'm saying this is not unusual. Because when you are planning the renovation, often you're doing it in a really confined time frame and you don't get a huge amount of time to really let ideas percolate. And as you get into the project and the the property starts to be dismantled, you start to see possibility. Often you do come up with ideas that will make the project better. So then you're looking at, will I spend the money on that or not? I always think like a value engineering exercise, you've really got to look at how much impact that will have on the outcome and will it bring you a better price? It's as simple as that. To give you an example, when I did the budget for Chalmers Street project, like, I was having a lot of conversations about what colour I should go with the kitchen and, and so on, and I'd budgeted adequately for the kitchen, but then I realised I came to the decision when I was standing out the front of the building, seeing all the people coming and going, I needed to do a white kitchen. I was going to go for something with more drama, but it was clear that I needed to go with some, for something that appealed to the the type of people that owned properties in that building it had to be white. So I had to do something to make it jump off the real estate page, basically, because a white kitchen, while it's nice, is pretty generic. And when you're scrolling through those pages as a buyer, it's white kitchen after white kitchen, everything's white or grey or beige. And so that's when I came up with the idea of putting the panelling on the island bench and curving the island bench so that it, when people were scrolling through, they wouldn't just see a standard white kitchen. They'll see something that had a bit of point of difference. So widen the riser, clad it with Jiprock, panelled it with this textured panelling, panelled under the island bench and around the curve. Quite a tricky exercise. It cost about $3,000. And I absolutely made the right decision. Of course, I made it with the help of our partners. That was the right thing to do. It was going to make the project stand out. Out. Just make sure that if you spend the money, it's going to return you the income. I hope that makes sense. The last thing point I want to make, and I've seen this happen quite a bit, is if you've got your Reno finished, it's gone over time, so it's cost you more in holding costs, it's blown out for whatever reason, and you're about to go to market. The last thing you should be doing is saving on the styling. I personally think it's quite cheap for what it does, but if you're renovating and selling a property, you want to be returning your uh, returning at least between 25 and 50% of the property value in your sale price to cover all the costs and the buying costs, the holding costs, the renovation costs, the selling costs, your profit, okay? We know that styling will add 10% to your sale price, so 10% of those costs will be covered by your styling. If you decide you can't afford to style, then really what you're doing is wiping 10% off the sale price. So not only have you got a blown budget, but you've also got a lower sale price. Once again, the double whammy. And so whatever you do, make sure you style it. You might have to call in your friends, family, beg, borrow and steal. I've certainly done it plenty of times to style that property, but make sure that it's styled and make sure that it's styled well, because that will help you to get the best price for the project at a time when there's no more you can do about the renovation budget that's done and dusted and you've got what you've got. So do your best to get the best outcome for the project. So now it's time for a shameless plug. You cannot underestimate the value of having a community of savvy renovators to lean on when things aren't going so well. Please If you haven't already done some education or you don't belong to a uh, renovation or property community, think about coming to do our renovation boot camp. We are opening for enrolments next week. Not only do you get a whole host, a system that will help you to navigate your renovation and minimise your risk of blowouts. But you also get lifetime access to that training and also to the bootcamp community. So we have a Facebook group for bootcamp graduates, and you're in there for life. So we have people in there that have been there for seven years. We've been operating for seven years. So still coming back, getting help when they need it. Think about it. And of course the last thing I have to do is just tell you about my week. So I have had an amazing week. Oh really last week when we sponsored an international Women's Day event with Karoma and had an awesome time. If you haven't been to the Karoma temple, it is a stunning venue. I won't go into it too much, but The evening was amazing. There are a lot of our community there and lots of beautiful food and wine and also some great speakers, including Janine Shepard, who is the most extraordinary woman. Uh, Rather than me tell you about her, I suggest you Google her and I have invited her to come onto the podcast and that will be happening shortly. I think I've done my last day on Arncliffe. I did that on Monday. That has come up a treat. Really happy with that on budget and also had its share of problems but that's part of the game. Because we're so close to Easter the agent does not want to go to market prior to Easter so it's not being styled until just after Easter. So that's pretty well done and dusted. Tomorrow I'm going to Adelaide and so for all you South Australians I'm really looking forward to being there. So we have many family and friends in Adelaide And of course, I'm speaking in Adelaide on Friday, so quite excited about that. But I'm going to be up quite late tonight, finishing off my slides, getting the bags packed and getting organised for the big getaway. In our community, we've had a few sales and a few purchases. So I may have mentioned Ali, our gorgeous renovator in Canberra, sold her first project last week. I'm not sure if it's unconditional yet. It should be, I think. And Suzette and Kate, so you may remember Suzette came on the podcast. She was my first ever student. They bought their first project to do together in Newcastle a few days ago. So watch this space. I'm really um, excited about them getting going because they've both operated independently. So I think they'll become a really powerful team and I'm enjoying seeing them blossom. And the last thing is uh, I picked up another project I know I said I wouldn't, but I did. And so I visited my family in Victoria and came home with a project, which is a new build for one of my brothers. And I'm actually really enjoying that. I'm amazed at the quality you get at such an incredible price. I've done the FISA and I think he's got around about 200,000 profit in this project. So I'm pretty happy about that. And the great thing about a build as opposed to a renovation is it does not require much input from me. The biggest thing is doing the due diligence on the builder, which I've already done, selecting the design. So as I said, I'm going with a, well, I may not have said it, but I'm going with a volume builder. So I've selected the floor plan, but I've also made some tweaks to the inclusions because I know what sells. I want to make sure that we actually meet our market. So now that's done, and that didn't take very long at all, I've got to go down and just finalise that. Then from then on, it's really over to the builder to do their thing. So that's been a lot of fun. On that note, I am going to love you and leave you. If you haven't left us a review, or left me a review, I should say, please go over to iTunes and do it. I will be forever grateful because what that does is it lets people know that we're here so it helps to spread the love. And as I mentioned in my last episode, one of my goals this year is to grow this podcast and that will certainly help with that goal. So thanks. See you next week. This is the She Renovates podcast.